Hello and welcome everyone to Ascend and Transcend. I am giddy about our guest today. She is incredible. And by that, she only needs one name and her name is Tej Paul to me. And Tej Paul was really one of the probably two people that forced my expansion and my breakthrough and my awakening eight years ago at Miraval Resort in Tucson, Arizona. So I have been really excited to have her on and have her just explain a little bit about what she does. She's got incredible books that are coming out. We're going to talk about those as well. But I like to sum up Tej Paul this way. Tej Paul is somebody who has done the whole corporate thing before, right? She was in HR for a massive um, hotel chain in Paris. She's from France. You'll love this accent that you hear coming through as well in just a minute. And then she had an awakening of her own and decided that she was better used on this earth to be able to help other people wake up, tap into their intuition, and then use that as their wonderful guidance system. And so she has too many you know, awards and things to kind of go through at this point. She's an author of two books. My favorite one that is actually required reading for all of my clients is Manifest Moment to Moment. That was in collaboration with Dr. C. McLaughlin and her newest book, Way to Be, 40 Insights and Transformative Practices in the Heart of Being is in collaboration with Shari Guter. Am I, am I saying that right, Tejpal? Okay. Yes. So I wanted to have a chat with Tejpal today to talk a little bit about not only what she does, but her journey and how she really leaned into her spirituality and her intuitiveness to manifest all the incredible things that she has in her life. And then how we can try to do that for ourselves as well. Not everybody's going to be able to be a Brennan intuitive healer and all of these things. She's an energy healer and does uh, all of this incredible stuff, but we need to be able to take a little piece of that and incorporate it into our lives. So welcome Tej Paul. Thank you, thank you. It's so good to see you again. Yeah, great to see you. So what do you want me to focus on yeah. first? Well, I would love to talk a little bit about your background and how you got to the place where you felt either strong enough or pulled enough to leave your high-powered job and then move into this energy healing, intuitive writing space. Yeah. So my background, as you said, so I was born in France. And so I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life because for so many years, I couldn't find really a lot of meaning in living. And so I was always interested into the non-physical world. And quite frankly, the spiritual world was my lifeline, my way just to keep my head above the water. But I was just kind of going through the motion and always asking, what's the purpose of life? What's my purpose? So I didn't wait 30 or 40 or 50 to ask that question. I really was asking that at five or six years old. And so as, you know, I come late to my late teens in the whatever, 18s and 20, we're supposed to know what we're doing with our life, huh? right? Right. And so here I am saying, well, I'm not sure, but I'm interested in psychology and spirituality and personal growth. And so therefore, I'm just going to get a master in psychology. And then once I got my master, I was not at that time interested in going for a PhD of some kind. And then I got an MBA. And with those two things, I was still questioning, you know, right. what am I doing? Am I going to become a therapist? Am I going to be this? I don't even know how I landed in corporation, quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> right. Long ago. 
Um, but when I landed, I got really excited. I loved it. I was, you know, I got in some great organizations and very quickly beside doing a lot of recruitment and training and became an expert in leadership development. And I had a lot of fun because I had a lot of space and a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I think I grew up too quickly in organization. So in my early 30s, I had a lot of responsibilities and I certainly had the mind for that. I didn't have the emotional maturity for that. Mm. I struggle all of my, you know, childhood life with relationship and meaning be able to be stable and not be like a volcano, reactive and impulsive yeah. and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so at least in my, in my own self-assessment. And so when I was a leader, even if I had a lot of cool projects that I led throughout the world, I also knew that I just didn't like the, the way I was leading, quite frankly. I thought that I was sometimes too reactive. I always hoped to be super zany, you know? And <laughs> Everybody's goals, right? So, and I say, why am I so reactive about that? Why am I so reactive about this? And so the beauty is I was always able to own my distortions of any kind, but I still had this fire in me. And eventually what happened is at 33 years old, I decided to fire myself, quite frankly, because no, nobody was going to do it. Right. You were probably really good at your job. So they, weren't, they were never going to let you out of that comfort zone. Yeah. So it was working. And that's where I say, you know what, I'm ready to do something that is deeply more nourishing for me and more meaningful. So, and that's when I decided at 33 years old, it was in 94, to leave my job, move to New York City and uh, move on my own, by the way. You know, I left the relationship wow. I was in and I say, you know what, it's, and I changed my name. So it was a way kind of a radical way to start all over, but it worked for me at that time. And so many people, I feel like throughout their lives, they at least have a few nudges, right? Like the soul kind of nudging you into a different direction. And it sounds like you started listening and then just made the decision, right? At 33 to say, you know what? I'm really going to lean into this. So many people just kind of suppress it, right? Or they let this duty or the obligation brain drown out what the soul is leading them to do. And something that you've always... I've always heard you say, and now I use with my clients, is to stay curious, right? Mm-hmm. Just don't immediately shut down these mm-hmm. thoughts or these nudges that your spirit is guiding you. So that's great. So you leaned into it at 33, you left, you came mm-hmm. to New York, and then what happened? Yeah, but I want to go back to what you just said, because it's beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, the start listening. Yeah. And every time we start listening, the mind gets in the way, as you know, you know? either because we try to understand what the person is saying or we jump too quickly into conclusion. It's like, it's fascinating how poorly we listen a lot of time. Right. And certainly we don't know how to listen to ourselves. Uh, and we, because we want what's next, what's next, what's next, an answer. So when I moved to New York first, I started to do what I knew. So mm-hmm. which was executive coaching and leadership training. You know, mm-hmm. and so I knocked at the door of different um, 
CEO that I knew when I was in Paris. And I say, hey, you have some work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it worked. And I say, you know, uh, and so at least the first year, I found a way to collaborate this way. And then I took off on my own for a couple of years. And very quickly, then I realized that that was just not going to be just executive coaching and, right. and so forth. So I got a little detour because uh, I was uh, really playing a lot of golf at that time. And I went into dropping everything and caddying on the LPGA tour for almost three years. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So I had a few coaching clients over the phone, but I just needed a break because yeah. I, and the way it worked for me, if, if I don't do radical breaks, I'm just going to stay in the same thing with a different makeup, but it's not going to be a real change. So I ended up caddying on the, on the golf tour for almost three years. Wow. And having a few very flexible coaching clients who could always adapt their time to my schedule. Yeah. And then eventually at the end of those three years, I say, you know what? It's time to go back to school and it's time to pay attention to my longing because it's I'm still not living my purpose here. Mm-hmm. And it's too painful. And that's where I went back to, to school and I went into Barbara Brennan School of Healing. Amazing. And it was four years on and off in base in Miami at that time. And that really gave myself permission to really go full speed into something that I was longing for since I was five years old. But out of fear, I didn't choose that road first. Well, I was going to ask you, did you ever have any scarcity mindset or financial fears? Because that's one of the most powerful things that holds back a lot of the clients by the time they come to me as well is this fear that, you know, they'll be destitute. And I always say, you're not going to end up under a bridge. And they're like, yeah, but I'm making all of this money. So if I was to take four years off and go and study or lean or just even six months, give your mind the space, as you talk about and wait to be the book to give it the space to listen to it and then follow through. But throughout this time, you said you had fear, but there were, were there ever any specific money fears or did you feel like you'd always be okay? I had at some point on and off some money fear, but that didn't stop me. Yeah. You know, and my goal with money was not, I need to have this amount or that amount of this amount. My goal was, I want to be at peace with money. Yeah, that's always been my mantra. Be at peace with money. Be at peace with money. So because, as you know, I mean, you work with people, I work with people. Some people may have what you consider quite a good chunk of money and they're still not at peace with it. They still think they need more. I mean, I still remember that person who was always talking about money in my sessions. And one day I got tired of it and I say, okay, if you don't make any more money, how long can you live with the lifestyle that you have. There was just a pause on the on the phone. I thought it was for a minute, but maybe it was only 15 seconds. Wow. And she said, 16 years. And I was <laughs> like, okay. So right. I think you are going to be just fine. Yeah. 
Well, sometimes I ask clients too, they'll, they'll say, I'm making all of this. And I go, but what is it costing you? This is costing you something. And it's costing you your personal peace and your happiness, which will then manifest in your body and all of this you know, stuff that can be uh, symptomatic of that. And so a lot of times when it's, when it's flipped on its head of what is your suffering cost? What's the price tag on your suffering? Because you're suffering every day in this job or in this situation every day, you're not listening to your soul trying to guide you. And you're saying, Shh, be quiet, we're making money, you know, then that's, yeah. that's costing you probably a lot more than what you're making. That's true. And, you know, there's another dimension, I'm sure you experience, experience it for yourself. Your relationship with money will change too. I mean, what I thought I needed at 20 is not what I need at 60. You know, I just yeah. like, Right. Without even any uh, sacrificing sacrifices or whatever. It yeah. just, it's just the way it is. So we evolve and our needs change, you yeah. know? Uh, well, and I think too, if you see it as a wonderful, an energy that is flowing and reoccurring. And, you know, when I was at Miraval and I was investing in private sessions with I mean, you guys have to go there. It's an incredible, I mean, book a call with Tej Paul through tejpaulinspires.com. But you know what I mean? It's not, it's an investment, you know, but the, I've never looked at that and thought, oh, I wish I didn't spend that, you know, or I always felt like if I went into it very happily paying for things or investing and really blessing that money that was being sent to somebody, it's always come back multiple folds. It's never yeah. just gone, right? So if your intention with money changes from being how much can I get and hold on to and buy a bunch of material shit to how can mm -hmm. I use this to better my life and somebody else's life, I feel like it does change. And then it comes from really wonderfully creative places. Completely. I mean, when I went to Barbara Brennan School of Healing, it was, you know, it was about a $60,000 total while you you know, you think about the travel and the things. So yeah. I didn't have it, you know, so I borrowed, uh, you know, but I just, it, it was not a problem at all. It was very crystal clear that that was just right. not going to be a big deal to be able to, to pay back within a couple of years. And I did. So it's it just completely changing how you relate to that. And for some people, they don't have to be radical like I have been at that time. You mm -hmm. know, it can be like, okay, I'm going to shift and maybe one day or two days a week, you know, I'm going to focus on the thing that I'm passionate about and so forth. Right. So, And I think too, at least, you know, that eight years ago when I came to Miraval, I was battling an eating disorder. It was awful. It felt very dark. And you were the first one-on-one -on -one session. Well, first I went, she, she did a wonderful lecture and I went to that. And then I booked the session and I thought too, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I hope this is worth it. Just because when you're at Miraval, there's so many things to do too, right? It, it wasn't even the money. It was like, I could be laying by the pool and not thinking about my eight month at home that I have to go home to. And I remember sitting across from you and Tejpal has this wonderful gift of just embracing the silence. To your point, like when you're talking to your client on the phone, she'll just sit there in the silence and she's okay with it. And then you start frantically talking, trying to fill up the space and your mind is racing. But you were, you, you should really call you on your shit too. I feel like you could feel it, that I was trying to scramble or think of other things I could do. I, I went there wanting to be fixed. And I think 
she really reflected that as in, you know, you have to do it for yourself and you have to decide what you want. And do you want to keep living like this? And you have to be that word again, curious. And then two years later, I come back, I have another session with Tej Paul one-on-one and she says, you know, you should try being a coach. And I said, oh my God, no, no. Like the word even sounded icky because it sounded like people were just poof, calling themselves coaches, you know, just a bunch of know-it-alls wanting to tell people what to do. And they were going to call themselves a coach. And I, that was the opposite. I was a career person who, you know, had climbed this ladder and had titles and, and a certain amount of money. And so that was really feeding the ego. And so you were the one that said that. And I sat on it for a couple of years to your point, I created a plan. I told my husband, I'm not going to be a coach. Tej Paul's nuts on that one. She missed the mark, but she is right on. I need to do something. So we made a five-year financial plan. We knew I was going to leave. It was just, we we're waiting for the universe to just really give us the catalyst. And that came later on. So I really do owe becoming a coach to you. So through me, we've collectively helped. I feel like a lot of women realize when that catalyst is there and then have the guts to listen to your voice. So that's what I wanted to ask you about. So when you really had to kind of burn the boats, right? Like be done with the PGA, just really stop and then go to the center for for your really invest in that. Was there like a moment where you said, okay, I'm done? Or was it a slow build and you're hearing messages, but you're still kind of like not 100% committed to following through with them? Well, I was, yeah, there were a moment, there was a moment and it's, you have to feel it in your body. And so all this practice of transformation, like what you have done and you have beautiful focus. So you had your five years plan and it's Mm -hmm. beautiful and, and so forth. But when people don't have that, the tenacity that you have and the determination that you have, the focus that you have, I think you know, one of the ways to help people is to be way more present in the physical body. Because if you stay in your head all the time, which is really the lifestyle of the country we live in, you know, if we don't pay attention, or at least that the trend, and not only this country, then it's impossible to experience peace. And the mind is so agitated that it's going to want to have some guarantee, which is an illusion. And the money is delusional anyway. So the more we're able to create a lifestyle and bring the body into the equation, uh, the more at peace we're going to be when we create those changes. So what does that what does that feel like, though? I mean, it sounds silly to ask, what does that feel yeah. like? And I know in your book, Way to Be, it is really kind of like focusing on that, right? There are certain things, there's 40 different chapters where you will list out, you know, way to be kind or all of these wonderful things. So be sure to pick that up, you guys. But I feel like even in, in one in our sessions, you said the same thing, like, what are you feeling? And sometimes it's hard to identify the feeling when the mind is chattering or when you're distracted or agitated. And then you said, where do you feel it? And I just said, oh, I feel it in my stomach. But I wasn't really, I wasn't even able to dial in to feel myself. There was just, I was so disconnected that it was hard. So do you have any tips on how, other than getting quiet, to really kind of tune into that, to even identify those? There's a few things. Those are, will be the first things to, to start. I'm sure you have done that as a kid and maybe you still do that once in a while. You know, you go outside and you say, oh, close your eyes. 
and how many sounds can you hear you know and if you do it with two or three people they're all gonna have different you know a different number you may hear four i may hear three or somebody may hear five and so forth and you can do it with fragrances and so forth so you play and what you learn at that moment is to enhance your senses because the mind has a tendency to be a ceo and if you don't learn to enhance your senses then the mind keeps running the show and as the mind runs the show you just are very confused quite frankly yeah that's a great tip another thing that you would always say in sessions too was to have a creative outlet to play and i think that a lot of women don't i mean especially after the last year i think obligation has probably been ratcheted up pretty high and that's, you know, another thing that I stole from you that I work with clients on. They have to have one form of creative outlet. They have to be able to play. You told me once to paint a picture. And I said, but I'm not going to be good at painting. And you said, that's that's the point. I want you, You're going to be terrible at it and it's going to be fine. But you're painting just to have the experience with no expectations of what you're going to produce. And now that ugly painting that I did... <laughs> hangs in my bedroom and I look at it every day and I can now see the beauty in that. And I can let go of the judgment that I had for that painting that I called ugly for so many years. And I get compliments on the painting all the time, but that was another one from you of just do something and be bad at it. And that's okay too. Is that another way to tune in? Yeah. So here, what you're talking about is in some ways, you make the distinction between your finite self and the infinite self in some ways, because we have both. So your finite is who you are, meaning you're a female, you're a male, you have roles, you have responsibility, blah, 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 all your social attributes. And your infinite self, that's what we are interested in, because that's the one we want our life to make decisions. So when, when you suggest, and I was talking about go play or do some arts, it's not that you have, be, have to be good at it, that's the finite, but you have to learn to relax into it because you may realize that there may be something there for you. And everybody has at least one form of art expression in their being. And what's it's in the way, it's what kind of you mentioned is our self-judgment. Yeah. For sure. And so self-judgment comes from where? Not the heart, obviously, from the mind. And here's the practice is to just bring the mind back instead of bring the mind forward. And therefore, that gives you way more stability. For some people being outside in nature, whatever they do, by the way, will bring a little bit more of that balance. For me, breath works is great, obviously. Yeah. And if you meditate, you really have to pay attention. Because a lot of time people jump into meditation, but there are so much in their head yeah. that the meditation becomes dissociation. Mm. And when I started meditating when I was 16 years old, I was not meditating. I was dissociating. I was going into la, 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 you know, I thought that was meditation. How do we know if we're disassociating versus meditating? Like, are there ways certain thoughts look? Quite frankly, if you really meditate, it's not going to be fun. (laughs) And certainly not at the beginning. Because you are with yourself. And so the, the distinction will be to realize 
when you're gone and obviously when you're gone you don't know it but obviously try to go back so if you need to i always say to people start with a short amount of time five minutes mm-hmm. you know that gives you less opportunity to go off for such a long time and then journal uh and we say was i present was i gone I don't even know. Was I thinking about something? Was I worried? Or was distracted? And so forth. And, but that's why most of the meditation I do or I teach are not just breath. Mm. Inhale and exhale. Because those are the hardest one to stay present. I remember in a session we were doing that and I got really lightheaded. I mean, I felt sick. And we were doing like the nostril holds right back and oh. forth to try to just get grounded because you were saying the same thing to me. You're like, no, 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 you're up here. You're like a balloon. We need to pull you down. Cause a lot of my meditations, it was like watching a movie, right? Like my mind, it was almost like a dream. It wasn't really being present. And, and I think you can have those present check-ins like throughout the day, you don't have to be sitting, you know, in Lotus with incense burning and on a meditation pillow. It can be, multiple times throughout the day. Right. And then, and then I feel like this plays into, or leads into, um, you know, the art of manifestation too. So can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I love in manifesting moment to moment, there's a lot of really great, like actual activities to do. And I remember working through some of them and then feeling some resistance to others, but I think maybe that could be something that could be something that a product of journaling and meditating as well. Is that correct? Very true. And, you know, the manifestation process, uh, what I like to say, there is a big distinction between goal setting and manifestation. And if you approach manifestation like goal setting, it's not going to work. Because goal setting is, you know where you are, you know where you want to be, and you you have like those series of steps. And that's goal setting. And, you know, sometimes it's great, it works and so forth. But manifestation is like we may not be completely clear about the final picture. And so, but if we listen to we are at that moment, then we know what just the next step is. Mm-hmm. And once we go to the next step, literally, like when you go from one st- uh, rock to another, you have a different view, you have a different experience. And from there, you know, we'll see what the next step is. And some of those steps can be quantum steps and some can be really baby steps. We don't know. So it's it looks like more chaotic, but in some ways it's way more authentic. Mm. And then when, wh- wherever you are at that moment, you have a vision and that the vision for that moment. And so yeah. what you keep doing when you manifest is you keep coming back to you, coming back to you, coming back to you as as a chicken instead of going into your mind and achieving things that may not even serve you at the end of the day. Right. I think it is about um, like the let go or the surrender of it. It's great if you think, you know, someday I would love, you know, for my books to be bestsellers or, or whatever it is, whatever goals you have for yourself, but then really just letting go of, and if that doesn't happen, then I know that's for the best, right? It's exactly. it's not the focus on, I must grind or hustle or push through at any cost. I feel like that's the opposite, right? Then you're focusing on right. the lack of it versus like being in a raft on a white, you know, water river or whatever, just kind of like going with it. And if it, if it, 
pulls me left, then I go left a little bit. And then if I pull, but it's, I think it can be very hard, especially for um, women in our culture too. There's, you know, this whole type A, you know, control freak type of thing that women get labeled at, which, which I hate, but it, it feels very rigid versus just kind of like going wherever the journey is going to take you. They've set a lane and they will not get out of that lane. And I feel like that can end in a lot of pain. It can be a very painful journey. And then ultimately your destination might not be what's the highest purpose for you. It might not be what's actually going to serve you the best. Exactly. And, and, and here you, you, there are two things that I, I, I'm connecting to is the first one is like, I always like to go back. Okay. Like before you die, you know, what are you going to think? Who are you going to be? What, what really truly matters? I mean, we need to remember what we are dying at some point and we don't know when, and we are just guests on earth. So, you know, that notion of achieving and so forth is as if we're here forever and that's all matters, you know, achieving, achieving. And so when, when you look at that and you say, what really matters? Then you are able to go and to serve the wave on the, uh, of the yeah. raft, obviously, right. uh, and to be more in that moment to moment, you know, because yes. that's this title, Manifest Moment to Moment. Exactly. There's another thing I wanted to say, and then it went away. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we will let it go away, and it might come let back, right? Away. We're just going to, right, again, we're just, if it steers us another direction, that's fine, too. Yeah, there's that other piece, yeah. Yeah. Could be challenging for somebody to say, you know, because the question a lot of time people say, so what are you up to? What's next? And da, 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 da. And so there is sometimes social pressure, depending, you know, where you live and who you are with, that you need to have an aiming. And when you right. say, well, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And and for some people, they, they believe that if they are not completely clear to where they are going, that's not a good sign. So again, they get caught into that mask, the social image. Yes. And so all the work is if you have such a strong sense of self, and that's part of manifesting and helping people to change, to know who you really are beyond your age, your gender, your roles, and so forth, then it's way easier yeah. to just be you, whatever that looks like, yeah. And not trying to wonder what people think. And to focus, you know, you said it, and for way to be as well, instead of doing and producing, just being. And being is okay. But I think it is this automatic reaction for people to ask, what are you doing? What are you up to? And I wish we could normalize people's response, you know, just I'm, I'm being happy, <laughs> you know, like I think everybody always is quick to say, oh, well, I'm doing that, you know, to validate themselves or to somehow not seem like lazy or whatever this is. And I tell clients to try to just have an awareness of that when you're doing that, or you're trying, I used to do that too. I felt like I had to exaggerate things to try to value, to get value in their eyes. But now I know that I have no fucking clue what they're thinking of me. I'm never going to know what they're thinking of me. So why do I care so much? And that has been a journey to really let go of what people think and to be authentically myself in whatever environment I'm in. But that, it feels like a big journey. But if you can't start to acknowledge when you're being 
inauthentic and you're lacking integrity for your soul, then you start to care a lot less. And you realize that people don't give a shit. They're, they care about themselves. They're just asking that question to be polite. They probably really don't care what you're up to. You know? Sometimes it's true. <laughs> Sometimes, depending who you hang with, hopefully. Yes. Wrong, you care. But. Well, not when people call and have a session with you. I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together, Tej Paul. We could go on for hours, so maybe yeah. you'll have to come back again. Yeah. But everybody, check out uh, Tej Paul at tejpaul-inspires.com. She's also on Instagram. Can you tell us your Instagram handle, Tej Paul? I can't even tell you that. I think, listen, I'll, doing that. I will link uh, it in here. <laughs> but if you just search Tej Paul too, I think it's like share with Tej Paul and Shari is what it is. But I highly recommend picking up both of her books, Manifest Moment to Moment and Way to Be, 40 Insights and Transformative Practices in the Heart of Being. You've been a huge impact in my life and my spiritual awakening, and I will forever be grateful to you for that. And I really valued our time today. And I think that we came up with some really good nuggets for people to take away and start incorporating in their lives. So for that, I thank you. Thank you. And thank you. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to also return that to you. I mean, I'm hoping that a lot of people find you because you're uh, so yeah. clear and so committed in your work. It's beautiful and so open. It's magnificent. So I hope you keep creating confidence. Wonderful. Let's hope so. Hopefully everybody's listening and subscribes and listens to more. So thank you, Tej Paul. We'll say goodbye and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>